Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 15 of Reads Like a Four, the podcast that deals with critics, reviews, and criticism, speaking to a different writer or critic every week. This week's guest is. Boyd Hilton. And here's a little bit about Boyd in his own words. I am, um, what am I? I'm entertainment director of Heat magazine. I'm deputy editor of the brand new pilot TV magazine. I'm also a contributor to Radio Force Front Row. I review TV for, I have reviewed films and TV for many other people, including um, Radio 5 Live. I still review TV for 5 Live. And I used to, I covered for um, Mark Kermode on Five Live for a while, for a couple of years, and I um, write about that kind of stuff for various people, including GQ, GQ Style, Fashion Magazine, Coup the Fool, and The Guardian, The Observer, and people like that, and I host events, and I interview people. So, in this episode, we get into it, talking about the trouble with British male actors, the evolution of heat, why men won't buy weekly, uh, what readers get from magazine lifers, uh, what is and isn't heat, Keeping Monthlies Relevant, and of course, uh, Boyd's latest venture, Pilot TV, a brand new magazine about uh, billboard-style TV uh, from the makers of Empire, which should already be a few months old by the time you hear this. Um, so, let's not dilly-dally any further. I can't believe I said dilly-dally in 2018. Um, anyway, it's time for episode 15 of Reads Like a Four with my guest, Boyd Hilton. Reads like Is that enough? <laughs> it is. So um, let's let's start with heat because mm. that's where, where the majority of your working life or, or work has been recent years, at least. Um, so not so recent. No, that's, no, no, that's true. How long has heat been going now? Heat he has been going since nineteen ninety nine, uh-huh. unbelievably, and I've been here since nineteen ninety nine. So it's um, it's like eight, 19 years nearly. Nineteen yeah, years, 19. twenty years next year. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't feel Ridiculous. like that long. I mean, it might be to you. Yeah. But um, I mean, no, it doesn't. I guess because I'm not, I'm not the exact target readership of Heat. It no. Like, it feels like it's just been a background constant in my life for, for well, a long, nice. long time. That's nice. something. Um, yeah. No, I've been yeah, 19 years. Okay. I mean, that's that's a magazine that to me has has evolved and changed hugely over its life. I wondered if you yes. could give us a potted history of what the aims were when it started and what it's kind of adapted and changed to become over the years. Sure, yes, it has changed very much. It started out um, when I joined kind of about six months before it launched. Um, and the idea 
uh, then was to do a weekly um, entertainment magazine, really. Um, so in America, you had Entertainment Weekly, which is still going, still one of my favourite magazines. And um, the publisher was then called EMAP, it's now owned by Bauer. Back then it was EMAP who'd made monthly magazines like Q for, about music and Empire about films. They're, you know, the main kind of, their stock in trade, if you like. Um, with legendary people in publish like David Hepworth and Mark Allen, I don't know if you heard of this, but they're legendary mm-hmm. people, um, who hosted um, Live Aid, among other things, and uh, Whistle Test, who are great people. Barry McElhenney, who worked on Empire, all these people, these kind of grand kind of film... Um, music experts thought, why don't we do a weekly magazine about this stuff? And they brought me on board because I knew about TV and worked on TV for, for um, the PA, Press Association, for years. Um, and that was the general plan. But that's, And we launched. Um, and um, that we, we used, when we launched, it was all about um, television, film, music. We used to review every album that came out every week. We used to have pages and pages of... TV reviews, every film that came out every week we would review. That was our kind of, um, the whole um, idea ethos of the magazine, that it would kind of review everything mm. major, if you like. Um, then after a while, it became increasingly clear that the people who were in, wanted that stuff, the people who um, really were into their entertainment, their film and TV particularly, were men more than women. This is going back 20 years, obviously. Mm. Um, and men didn't really buy weekly magazines. They weren't really used to that idea of buying. So they would buy Q and Empire on a monthly basis, and FHM and these, you know, Arena back then loaded, you know, these. But they weren't really in tune with the idea of a weekly. Because I remember when it launched. Yeah. I think I bought an early issue thinking, yeah. this is for me. Yeah. This is, this is. This feels at least I'm I'm within the, sure. the targets. Yes. Yeah. But that was the issue that kept coming up in terms of the. So I mean, we always wanted it to be for men and women equally. You know, that was the, and, and and you know, obviously, you do loads of research and focus groups and all that, all that, and, and everything points to the fact that there was a big gap in the market for a weekly, like Entertainment Weekly in America. But in reality, getting you know how it was just difficult to get, particularly to get men enough men to buy it. I mean, they just would you know and. Women, it was too, it was, I think for women at the time, it was too detailed and nerdy, you know, in terms of covering every single bloody record that came out, you know. Um, So after all, quite quickly, I think, um, I mean, my memory is terrible, by the way, so this is all off the top of my head. (laughs) I haven't checked. But after a while, it became clear that women would buy it if you had a celebrity on the cover they liked and were interested in. Um, and this is, of course, way before Celebrity Weekly magazines became as common as they are now. Mm-hmm. There was, I think there was Hello, which was, you know, kind of always dealing with the royal family, still does, and that's its niche, and that kind of thing. Quite kind of, you know, posh people, posh famous people. Yeah, inside houses and so Right. Like, yeah. But there wasn't, in America, there was People magazine, was was the most, that's for years, I think, it may still be, but certainly for many years was the biggest selling magazine in the world, I think, People Weekly. Um, and that maybe Us Weekly has started, I'm not sure. But anyway, we found that if we had a celebrity on the cover, like Victoria Beckham particularly, Posh Spice, back in the days when Spice Girls were still going, and when she met David Beckham, if we put her on the cover, um, the then Edison Mark Frith realised that would sell. And we still covered, in my section, in the TV and entertainment section, which is at the back of the magazine, we still covered that stuff in depth and we still very much committed to all of that, films and albums and everything. But in the front, it became all about celebrity news and mm-hmm. gossip. 
And that's what when it worked, and that's when it became a phenomenon. And then with the rise of Big Brother, which kind of coincided with the launch of the magazine, mm. and reality TV, and celebrity as a thing, um, which probably wasn't particularly unbelievably in this country, as it's a really identity celebrity culture. That phrase yeah, or wasn't or, or celebrity in and of itself. In and of itself, yeah. exactly. I mean, celebrity in and of itself has been a thing probably for, for hundreds of years. I know some, um, you know, there's a book being written about at the moment. Um, but celebrity culture per se, as we think of it now with reality TV and all of that and gossiping about them week after week in print magazines, um, was that was definitely something that Heat was at the forefront of. And then we never looked back and um, it kind of ever, it's been similar, it's gone through various iterations, you know, and we've evolved and we change it and we redesign it and we revamp it mm-hmm. um, every now and then. But I've been in charge of the TV and entertainment coverage of it for something like 15, 16 years. And generally it's kind of been similar now we call it the unmissables my section which i came up with a couple of years ago as a kind of branding thing how you use a branding but it's it's mm-hmm. what it is and really now and the only difference between what we do now and what we do even back to back when it first launched is that we try and single out um the things in all areas of of culture and entertainment tv film books music everything that our readers will want to watch or listen to or um, read every week, and we focus on those things like curate, to use another horrible, mm-hmm. um, trendy word, um, rather than covering everything. So we pick out what we think they're interested in. Yeah. And we used to have TV listings, we don't do that anymore. That's a detail you don't need to know. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I think there it's, we go. it's also it's common to a lot of people as well, I think. TV, yeah. TV listings are hard to justify when you've got you know dwindling pages and so on. And exactly. That's yeah. more important things to right. they're available and, elsewhere. Right, and there are many magazines, within certainly within Bauer, for example, alone. You know, the biggest magazines in the country, I'll tell you TV labs, the biggest magazines in the country are TV listings magazines, um, but we don't need. If you want TV things, you get those, and they yeah. cost you know very little money. Whereas I, I vaguely remember as well. You might be able to correct me on this. When I was living in London, was around the time that Time Out stopped doing TV listings. There yeah, was a huge backlash. Right, and I think I can't remember if it was TV listings or another section. They basically had to reintroduce and apologise. Yes, and then it, and then a few weeks later, it, it was gone. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing happened to us when we got we took the decision to get to get rid of them finally a few years ago, um, and I was worried that there would be a backlash, and there was a little bit of one, but. It was mainly the older readers, to be honest, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I mean, you know, the magazine's aimed at, you know, women in their 20s and 30s, mostly. And, um, you know, probably like the over 40s might have been a bit miffed. But mm-hmm. I think generally younger women are kind of, you know, they pick and choose what they watch in terms of TV. Yeah, and I guess any change is going to get a yeah, bit, a bit exactly. of a few, a few gripes. Exactly. Um, so, obviously, the Mr. Bulls is not just a section in here, it's also a podcast yes. in its own right. Um, in terms of, of reviewing and discussing pop culture, what, what freedom does podcasting give you that print doesn't? Oh, um, kind of a lot in the sense that um, we really pick, for the magazine, um, you know, I tend, me and my colleagues tend to think quite long and hard you know we look at everything that's around each week in all the areas we cover T- I mean TV is is kind of like probably I, mean, I haven't counted recently maybe two thirds maybe of what we put in the section mm-hmm. um, maybe three quarters and we kind of survey everything you know that's around each week and pick the ones that we think are the biggest most interesting shows you know when we get to see as many of them as possible and then for the podcast we really hone in on three things per week um, between us, between the three of us, me and my colleagues, um, Kay and Steph, and then it can be, its re- we just literally stand there and we go, well, those three look like the most interesting things to talk about, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in about, it takes us about 10 minutes to um, to think about it, 
and and it's also depending on whether we can see it or not, of course. Yeah. Because um, when we're previewing stuff for the magazine, you have to preview every major show, I think, you know, and sometimes you just can't see it yet, and you, mm. you, and you just preview it without actually going into detail. Whereas for the podcast, we we make sure we've seen it all, yeah. and um, that's the crux of the matter. So you, there's a kind of smaller, smaller self-selecting uh, range of stuff that we can review. Okay. Um, on top of all of that, you're also now a deputy editor of Pilot TV. Which, yes. Uh, which, by the time this goes out, will be a not quite so new uh, TV magazine no. from the makers of Empire. Yeah. Um, what lessons from Heat have you brought with you or put into use there? What similarities are there, and, and, and what's completely um, different? Well, Pilot, thank you for mentioning it, is, um, a, I'm, it's really exciting. It's, it, Terry White, the editor-in-chief of Empire, is the editor-in-chief of it, and it's her baby, really. You know, she came to me. So, she, so um, Empire is out, is, is all part of Bauer as well, so she's, you, you're talking to me now in our office, and she's around the corner, mm-hmm. would be if she wasn't in LA right now. Um, and she came up with the idea of doing a um, high-end um, TV magazine about scripted, mostly you know, drama and comedy, maybe a bit of documentary as well, but definitely not reality TV, for example, and definitely not kind of soaps. I mean, not 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 from any um, pompous snob snobbish point of view. More that all that stuff. Soap, you know, soaps have their own magazines, even mm-hmm. you know, still. Um, but they are the absolute, you know, they they are the weekly stuff that the TV mags cover, the TV listings mag cover. So we think we thought she and, and talking to me as well and the publishers thought there was an area for in-depth, high-end, glossy, monthly style, empire style effectively mm-hmm. coverage of TV. And the sort of TV you, you would cover in a magazine like that probably didn't exist in, in that form. Right, exactly. Years ago, right? It's, it's, it's HBO shows, it's, it's big budget Netflix. I think, you know, Precisely. Nick Cage is on the first cover, I think, yeah. You've some, exactly. So okay. it's that it's that thing, it's reacting to that exactly, that there's more of that than ever. There's more kind of expensive cinematic, you know, Terry's very keen, that's the phrase she keeps, she uses about it a lot, and she's right. And, you know, um, stuff on TV that's aspiring to be as good-looking uh, you know, often is as high budgeted as a movie. You know, epi- we're living in the days when an episode of The Crown costs ten million pounds to make, um, and uh, we thought there's a there's still not a magazine dealing with that stuff in depth like the way Empire deals with films. I mean, Empire does cover that stuff, so every month they cover something, a smattering mm. of, of of TV. But there's so much of it now. I mean, literally hundreds of new scripted shows every year now. So um, that's why we did it. And um, and it's been brilliant to work on. I've said the reaction has been incredible. And, um, yeah, that's, so your question, back to an answer your question, which was what have I learned or what have I brought? I think um, it's really that because I have... I, it's part of my job, really, is to be aware of everything that's coming, you know, on TV. Absolutely everything. You have to kind of... You know, I, I, you know, I know all of the people from all the channels... Um, from Netflix to Channel 5, and it's just kind of being able to decide what are the things to really hone in on. So the um, the strapline for Pilot TV is because you can't watch everything, and our feeling is there's so much stuff out there, and everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. deciding, finding the time to binge on this, that, and the other. So it's using that knowledge, really, and getting an inkling for what will be the best stuff that we can hone in on in depth, in pilot TV, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of knowledge, hopefully, <laughs> that I've used. Yeah, um, and do you foresee any any overlap with Heat in the sense that you might get access to somebody and perhaps it, it works for both? Magazines? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, already, for example, um, 
Uh, today I was offered a set visit to a show um, that is going to be on YouTube. So YouTube, I think it's called YouTube Red. I may get that, might have got that wrong. Mm-hmm. YouTube is just starting to do its own content now to compete with Netflix and the streaming service Amazon Prime. And um, the publicist for that said, you know, you could cover it for Heat slash Pilot TV. Um, so yeah, there will be definitely, and there's a lot of stuff. In fact, you know, um, we did a thing on Alan Partridge. Um, I wrote a little thing previewing the new Alan Partridge series in Pilot TV, which we will definitely have to talk about off mic because my other podcast is the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Of course, which yes, which is phenomenal. Congratulations, yeah. Thanks. yeah. Um, I've listened to it. It's great. Um, so I'm a huge Partridge fan, mm-hmm. um, and I'm fat of annoying myself that I didn't think of doing that podcast before you. Yeah, Furious. sorry, no, sorry. it's good. Um, so that we were definitely covering both. Pilot would do, you know, would do a set visit to that. I may or may not have visited the set of the new series of Alan Partridge, is mm-hmm. all I can say. Sure. I'm not allowed to confirm that I have, in fact, visited the set of the new series of oh, Alan Partridge. We're all told a lot of things we're not allowed to exactly. confirm. <laughs> so, yeah, that would definitely be in both, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Um obviously in your role you're frequently interviewing actors and, and, and people involved in these shows and films. Has anyone ever affected your desire to cover their work, either by being particularly passionate or impressive <laughs> or by being particularly underwhelming? Do you ever speak to somebody and think do you know what, after this I'm a bit disinclined or I'm a bit more inclined to, to show you or show some love? Um, I've definitely been um, positively influenced by by them, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of examples. Um, I mean, I went on the, you know, I mean, I went on the set of a Netflix show a few weeks ago in California, which I can't, again, annoying, I'm sounding like a right, complete twat, but I definitely was sworn to secrecy about it mm-hmm. because it hasn't been even been announced so this is a show that's already been on. You could kind of you could, you could guess it's a it's the second season of a Netflix show, a big Netflix show. Mm-hmm. It's not Stranger Things, um, and um, but they haven't even announced like the cast details yet for season right. two or anything. And they and and I got to go on the set, and um, the creators of that show are unbelievably um, inspiring. I'm you know like I've been on a lot of sets of films and TV, mostly TV, um, but they were so. Um, incredibly um, passionate and 
talented that I just thought, you know, I mean, I love the show anyway, but even if I hadn't have loved the show, if I'd never seen the show, you know, I would have thought, oh my God, I've got to watch this thing now. So that was, that was very inspiring, I have to say. Not only the fact that I have on a, on a trip to California. Sure, <laughs> sure. It doesn't hurt. Honest. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. Um, and the other way around, I'm trying to think. Um, there are, I would say, there are times when, I mean, I go, no, I can't think. There are times when I go to a, a Q and A, you know, I host a lot of Q and As. You know, it's it's a great um, treat that I get that over the year. I think you know, over the years, you know, I've, I've been asked to host Q and As at BAFTA and BFI by channel. You know, when they launch a big new series, they often have a Q and A. They screen the first episode or first series, and they and then I interview the cast and crew and director and all of that. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's mostly great. But every now and then, you do get a weirdly unenthusiastic or just I don't know, just a kind of slightly quiet. Um, and not everyone can be, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should be loud and enthusiastic and yeah. up for it necessarily, but I do find it slightly odd sometimes. I can understand it if someone's kind of at the end of a very long program, yeah. but at the same time, if anyone on that stage should be enthusiastic about the show, it's the people that are in it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So um, eventually I'll come up with an, exa- an actual named example, but I have been to, not so much ones that I've hosted, I'm saying mm-hmm. just been to launches of shows where cast and crew have been interviewed about their own thing mm. in front of loads of journalists and their job is supposed to be fairly enthusiastic and, and I come away thinking, you know, you know, you're a bit you're weirdly not that energetic, energised about mm. it and that's odd. You know, not, again, yeah, as you say, you know, you can be jet-lagged or something. Mm. But the, I'm talking, and it, it tends to be, this is a grotesque generalisation, I'm going to make it anyway. Sometimes British actors particularly might be a little bit, feel like they've got to be like not playing that game of being charming about their stuff you know mm. about their new show whereas I think Americans are really generally very good about it is a game partly you know mm. and even if maybe they're not that proud necessarily of a new film or TV thing they're in but at least they are you know they they, they are charming and um, engaging enough for you to feel like you're not wasting your time whereas actually some British actors even when they're talking about their own this big new show with uh, don't mind coming across as a bit above it all, do you know what I mean? And that that will definitely turn me against them. And eventually, I will come up with an example, but I can't right now. That's fine. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not asking you to publicly touch yeah. anyone, but no, no, it makes for good listening. <laughs> yes, good. Um, a lot of people I'm speaking to about about their writing, kind of people who 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 are, who are critics, um, tend to fall into one or two camps. Either it's freelancers that are writing for a hundred different publications. Or it's often people that are, so, are more in your position where they kind of they've been they've been writing for for one place for, for quite a long time, yeah. sort of fairly established. There. None of them as long as me, surely. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was going to say, what, what do you think the benefits are to readers of having somebody who has overseen things at a title for a very long time? Um, I think I think the, probably the, the main benefit is hopefully um, is that, and I get I do get this feedback. Um, that you know, re- yeah, readers, the regular readers, you know, there are a certain number of. I think you know, the reason we're still here, frankly, thank God, you know, in the day of days where print journalism is, you know, f- let's face it, declining, and a lot of every every week, you know, a publication or you know gets gets closed or you know newspapers become digital and all that stuff, and we're still he's still going, thank God, and I think it's because we have got a loyal readership who bite week in week out, and I think maybe, and I think research has shown that you know you may you may come, it's like you come for the cover whatever story is on the cover, a celebrity news story, but you stay, I think, hopefully, for what's in the back, which is the reviews mm-hmm. um, and the previews. And I think, um, 
they they hopefully some some of them by not by no means all of them but those regular readers trust me that my and my taste and know that you know I wouldn't lie to them if about being enthusiastic about a new TV series or a film um, and that's great so and I think actually it's much it's easier if you have been somewhere for as long as I have mm-hmm. um, or even if you've been somewhere a few years I think and you, and you become a trusted voice as a critic if you like I don't want to sound too pompous about it. Rather than just, you know, if, if you, I think if, if a magazine or newspaper has an endless stream of names reviewing stuff week in, week out, and there's no real consistency into it, that feels to me, just as a consumer, uh, why should I care what all these random people think? Whereas I think, you know, if you know something about the taste of the, of the critic um, or reviewer or previewer, then it helps. I don't think it really does help. And I think, you know, in fact, in an empire, I know Terry started a brilliant thing recently um you know where they have pictures and little pen portraits under their under their little list of critics mm-hmm. monthly critics so you get to know them as as people and as personalities and i think that's important because if they're just names that change constantly I, then it's almost meaningless yeah. yeah i'm always very interested in the balance between having critics be recognisable and having them sort of overshadow the thing they're writing about. And I always think it's quite an interesting balance because yeah. I think I, I totally agree with you that kind of knowing that you're that, that you're you're reading a review by by you know by Terry or by by someone specific yeah. Empire or or in broadsheets as well I think is is really interesting because also you don't just get what they're saying about that film but you know it's it, you know that like you know maybe maybe they don't normally like this kind of thing exactly. because they like this exactly. version yeah it's really it's really great yeah. but then there are examples I gave it on a, on a previous episode back in the years when I was reading Enemy in print there was I think they went too far with it once and, and they gave over half of the reviews page to kind of pictures and bylines and they would ask every critic <laughs> what they've been up to that week oh and I was God, thinking yeah. I, I want to know, you know, this is space that could have reviewed five records and, and yeah. it's being used for... You're like, absolutely right and I agree with that completely and I think it is, I think she's got the balance right very, very cleverly with Empire and we did, in, in um, Pilot TV you'll see the first spread and we thought long and hard about it and we went through, we had many, many meetings about it. If you look at the first spread of editorial and Pilot TV, please, still available, 4 99 from a local news agents. Um, it's the future of print journalism, everyone. Mm-hmm. It's in your hands. Um, we've got a panel of expert, we call, you know, expert in inverted commas, um, people um, deciding what the 10 best shows that our readers might be interested in that month are. Mm-hmm. And they include myself and Terry, and I think James, our other deputy editor who works at Empire. Um, and we brought a few people like Mark Gatiss, Russell T. Davis, Russell Tovey, the actor. And basically the idea is that, and we just put their names in just a tiny little thing, literally a sentence on each of them as to what just to give an intro with them as to who, if you don't know who the hell I am. I think under my one it says I'm a, I'm a partridge now, I think. Right. Off the top of my head. Um, and that just is a, another way, without making it too grandiose and self-aggrandising, just rather than just having meaningless names of people, kind of people who either people would know in terms of the, the Mark Gators of this world and respect their opinion, hopefully, <laughs> or at least if, if you don't know me, that, oh, he likes Alan Partridge, I might respect his opinion slightly more, yeah. whatever Terry wrote about herself in it. So that's another example of just, yeah, hopefully not overplaying it, but equally I think if there were just, you know, names attached to reviews, and I did, I wrote a lot of reviews in that, in that first episode of uh, Pilot TV magazine, um, and if they don't know me from he, I'd rather they had some idea of who I was. But again, but you're right. We're not going to do, you know, a massive page on each person yeah, yeah. and for it to take over because that would be egotistical. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
like? Um, do you think uh, working on on heat and working on heat for for a period of time, a long period of time, makes it easier to know what to include or to cover versus say some another type of magazine or a broadsheet? Is it immediately obvious to you when a show, when you first hear of a show, this is heat or it isn't? And are there any kind of? Can you give any examples of sort of fringe cases where you you had to kind of you had to sit on the fence for a little while to figure out if it belonged in heat or not? Yeah, I think it's, it comes. It probably comes too naturally to me. I would say. I mean, to be self-critical for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably decide in about you know very quickly why I think we should and shouldn't cover. But um, having said that, so generally, it's, it's bearing in mind. It's so you know, generally anything big and new, we try and cover, mm-hmm. even if you know. So unless we think it's going to be absolutely terrible. In fact, if I haven't have seen it and I know it's terrible, then we wouldn't put it in because it is all about. It is all about with the unmissables trying to say this is good enough for you to want to watch. It might be so bad it's good, but that's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but there might be... So any major new first episode of a drama or comedy or any genre, really, actually, of course, including reality TV, we would include, pretty much, I would say. We don't do... in, in Now, interestingly, so even though in the front we're constantly going on about, you know, Towie and Geordie Shaw and those shows because our readers are interested in that stuff, quite rightly. And I'm not... Again, it's, that stuff can be very entertaining. Um, Love Island, absolutely, BAFTA winning Love Island, mm-hmm. um, is a brilliantly done constructive reality show, but we don't preview that every week in my section. You know, we'll preview the first episode, and we probably wouldn't even preview you know series fifteen of Geordie Shore or whatever it is. So we don't do that in my, in in the, in the unmissable section because we think the readers know when that's coming on. They don't need me to go on about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And there might be the odd moment where there's a documentary or. Um, or factual series, maybe on Channel Five. Sometimes, I have to admit that Channel Five. You know, when Channel Five was in, it's kind of every other show's about benefits. Period, mm-hmm. which I think it has gone gone past now. Um, it was annoying me a bit, and now I know Channel Five does have some really good factual shows, and I probably don't preview enough of them. So that's an example where you know I don't probably don't spend enough time thinking. Should I really? you know, preview their kind of slightly gimmickly titled, you know, story about, I don't know, my 18 stone snake or something. Mm-hmm. My God, I should pitch that. <laughs> um, so those are times where, that yeah, I don't know how, I, I'm always thinking, should we do more of those shows? And sometimes there's a very serious sounding documentary that might come up on maybe BBC Three. BBC Three does a lot of issue based, you know, documentaries about, I don't know, um, body issues and, um, you know, they've done these Murdered by My Boyfriend and yeah. those shows. I don't thought particularly kind of like the Stacey Dooley strand were right. particularly heat-worthy. No, but actually, okay. do you know what? we? You know, this week we've done um, the next in the Murdered by My series. We have previewed that, um, which is Murdered by My Debt, I think it's called. It's about someone who got into, you know, a huge amount of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we do, we would, yeah, and we have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Pilot TV magazine, obviously, I, I guess you were talking earlier about how there was, back in the early days of Heat, there was a resistance to a weekly uh, entertainment, but, but, but largely TV magazine. Presumably, you know, that wisdom is, is what contributes to Pilot TV being monthly as well. Yeah. But obviously that, that comes with its own set of problems. How do you ensure what you're writing about stays relevant for the entire month that that title's on sale? Because obviously things do move quite fast sometimes. Is it just a case of getting exclusives? Is it a case of doing things closer to deadline? Or is it just being very careful about predicting when things are going to go on? Oh, it's a whole can of worms, <laughs> frankly. Um there's a reason why there is no monthly TV magazine in this country because it's really hard mm-hmm. to do that specific thing that you've just asked about. So, um, and in fact, to be 
right now, so we've put this first issue out, which is kind of like, you know, it, it, it was we put it out and it's covering kind of May, April, May TV, but also we have a huge section covering, previewing everything for the rest of the year, all the big shows, mm-hmm. you know, that we're excited about. Yeah. I think we covered about 50 maybe. Top, you know. Those are the issues of, of like Entertainment Weekly that I'll yes. pick up if I'm in the States, right. the kind of the entire full preview. Exactly. Thing. So we thought for this first issue to see which is partly seeing how much you know you know how much interest is there in this in this stuff we've we've covered in it so it's divided into three sections i don't want to go on about it too much but very quickly the front section is kind of, which i edited um is kind of previewing everything in the month to six weeks that the magazine will be out which is april may basically mm-hmm. um then the middle section is big features slightly further out so there's lost inspection which has already been on um, Luke Cage, which is still to come on Netflix, Westworld, which is on right now. Yeah. Big meaty features on those, and this huge big preview, which I also um, contributed heavily of every big show from that rest of the, including Alan Partridge. Mm-hmm. And the back section is kind of home entertainment, DVD, Blu-ray releases, and um, and retro stuff. So Friends and um, Sopranos. There's a huge feature on the West Wing, which is brilliant that James Dyer did, big world's biggest West Wing fan. So that's the three kind of prongs of it. And to answer your question, I, the reason I was put in charge of that front section dealing with what's on that month to six weeks is because I, I, I'm best, because I'm dealing with these people all the bloody time. Yeah. Um, they, so I had to literally get publicists in charge of all this um, content for all these different channels to, on pain of me not telling everyone until the magazine came out, and sometimes not even being able to actually specify the date on certain things, but be allowed to cover it and often see it, in fact, even way before probably they used to allowing people to see. I mean, obviously, in Longley, as I said before, Empire covers some TV stuff, and you know, so does you know, all the big monthlies do bits of TV, and they might even do a TV, one or two TV reviews. I think maybe GQ does it. Anyway, but to cut a long story short, they're all very excited about the prospect of this magazine, particularly, I think, you know, the Netflix and Amazon Primes, mm-hmm. because giving a huge amount of coverage to that, that, that was one of the key elements to launching it. Um, but it was a learning process for everyone, I think, in terms of right on the day of, we went to press, I remember, you know, it was on a Friday, and I was told a date for one of the big shows, I think, on Netflix, which I put in, and then about um, no, and no fault of the publicist at all, because that's what they were told. Mm-hmm. A week later, they put it back at one, a week, and it was like, so yeah, some of the mm-hmm. dates in there are wrong, frankly, you know, mm-hmm. but um, that's always going to happen on a monthly. So, but they're roughly right, I think, and I think in this day and age of people you know, of people wanting to have their own schedule of watching stuff and not necessarily, you know, corresponding to the schedules that the old school TV channels put out, the so-called linear schedules, mm-hmm. it's not so terrible that there's going to be the odd um, show that we're, either we don't know exactly when it's on, we'll say mid-May for a lot of it, mm-hmm. and they'll find out in the end. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and people's interest is really on what's coming. Right, exactly. And, and we have had focus groups. And since so the magazine's been out for a bit, and we've had focus groups, and we've had huge amount of response, huge amount of research, and it's I mean incredibly good um, responses. I'm been, I'm, I mean, the, I don't know. I genuinely, I've never been involved in. We didn't. I, I never went to see focus groups for Heat, for example, and it was twenty years ago. Yeah. Thank God. But the research we've had back about pilot TV has been um, absolutely one hundred percent positive, and no one's complained that 
there are some guesstimations about when stuff's going to be on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that brings us pretty much to the end of the questions. But sure. as you'll know, as, as, as someone who's listened to other episodes of, mm. of Recycle 4, there's a brief quiz, uh, which is basically five uh, five phrases, five sections of writing. Some of them are yours, some of them are not yours. Oh, God, yeah. See, this. see if you can tell the difference. So uh, the first one here. A stunningly realistic, thrillingly intense depiction of extraordinary men carrying out one of the toughest jobs imaginable. Um, it sounds like me, but I can't work out what these men were doing and what job they were doing. Um, Some of these are quite old. I will are they? That. Are they yeah. really? Oh yeah, I haven't just. I don't, okay. think it, I don't think it's fair to just go for stuff you wrote last week. Yeah, it sounds like me though. Yeah, but it, I can't remember what the show is. It is you. That was you writing about the Hurt Locker, the film. Oh the film, wow, there you go. Yeah. Uh, number two. Sure, I wish it had a camera and a USB port, so it's not perfect, but it is the most thrilling gadget I've ever used. That's probably me again, isn't it? About not... That is you, about the iPad. <laughs> about the 20... iPad. Going all the way back to 2010 in the independent. This is some good research. <laughs> Blimey. Uh, number three. Erudite, capacious, yet with a distinctive voice and written with considerable panache, an outstanding contribution. I don't think that's me. That isn't you, That is, but that is the New York Review of Books on the other Boyd Hilton's A Mad, Bad and Dangerous People. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I would never use the word capacious. Okay. That, was the, that was the giveaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four. It's been reminiscent of this life in presenting a group of multi-layered, not traditionally likeable characters whose sexual exploits are depicted as uh, honestly and unflinchingly as the moments of violence which define crime dramas. Oh yeah, that sounds like me. That is you <laughs> on uh, Cucumber for the Guardian. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, number five, it's a good-natured family comedy, an adventure conducted at a rather leisurely pace. The end of the franchise road seems to have taken the pressure off, reminding you pleasantly, if faintly, what was so great about the film. Don't think that's me. That isn't you. Oh, that's yeah. uh, that's Peter Bradshaw in the Guardian <laughs> on Shrek Forever After. So uh, <laughs> that's five out of five. Oh, I'm I'm very pleased about that. Even though I completely forgot what they were. That cucumber <laughs> thing I wrote for the Guardian, but I was so pleased to have written that because I loved that. I could so, I could tell writing that, yeah. that there was a bit of a, yeah. a bit of passion behind Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. Because that episode, I think was it was just about that particular episode, wasn't it? I think maybe I wrote two pieces. Oh, I think it was the yeah. episode. Yeah, the episode that was one. I think that's one of the best. Pieces of TV mm-hmm. for you know, like the last decade or however long ago. It was. I really loved the. Um, I mean, I loved all of the all of the kind of stings and the branding around. Yeah. That, but particularly just just the i. I just love the the ambition of putting out tofu, cucumber, and yes, banana at the same time. And yeah. one was a web series, and one was you know fantastic. Yeah, yeah. really, yeah. really, really smart. Yeah. Um, Awesome. That's the end of the quiz and the end of the episode. Thanks very much for talking Pleasure. to me. Pleasure. Thank you. Um, is there anywhere people can catch up with you should they want to read further exploits? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm on um, Twitter, social media, just my name, Boyd Hilton, um, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm in Heat every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at, definitely in uh, a lot in uh, Pilot TV magazine, as I already said, four ninety nine from your local newsagent and supermarket. Um, that's probably about it. Right. Oh, I've got a thing on Michaela Cole. That, yeah, in the, in, here's a, the Fall magazine, which is a fashion magazine, mm-hmm. and it's probably very expensive. I don't even know how much it costs. It's a massive thing. But I really like, she's brilliant from Chewing Gum Fame. I've got a big profile interview with her in that. So yeah, that, yeah, have a look at that. Fantastic. And of course you can listen to the Unmissables Thank podcast. You but only, that. only when you're finished with Reads Like a Four. Um, super, <laughs> thanks. thanks very much. Oh. There we go. Many thanks to Boyd, a uh, an industry lifer in terms of uh, journalism, uh, especially TV and film criticism. Uh, and as he mentioned, you can catch up with him on podcast in uh, in his monthly magazine, Pilot TV, uh, where he's deputy editor, or uh, of course in Heat, where he's been and continues to be for probably many years to come. 
Let's hope so. Um, so next week, I'm going to be talking to a brand new critic. Uh, it's not 100% confirmed at the time of recording who it's going to be. So uh, I don't want to attempt fate and promise you uh, a very special guest who may not turn up. But uh, fingers crossed, we've got who we're looking for. Um, so do join us next Friday for another episode of Reads Like a Four. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Reads Like a Four. Email us. Why not? Reads Like a Four at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Are there questions we should be asking critics that we're, uh, we're holding back on? Uh, it's up to you to let us know. Um, so thanks very much for listening and uh, I will join you again next Friday thanks and goodbye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.